The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Hello and welcome to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas. And I'm Nikki Shields. This is episode 26, Back to School, part one, New Places and Faces. But before we get to that, we want to talk about reviews. Read us a review, Nikki. Well, Chad, I would, um, but see, there aren't any to read. We've already read the ones we've received. Yeah. How can we fix that? I don't know. Um, maybe we could mm-hmm. bribe our, no, we, can't, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. No. Hmm. How about we'll ask you who's listening to maybe write a review for us on Apple podcast. And as we say, until we're like blue in the face, it just gets more eyes and ears on the podcast. And that's what we're all about is just spreading awareness. So if you don't mind, it doesn't take very long. Not that I would know, cause I've never reviewed a podcast and heaven knows I listen to a bunch, but if you wouldn't mind, write us a review or um, rate us too at five stars. That's, that's cool too. That all helps. We do appreciate anything and everything you guys are doing with the podcast. It's nice to get some good feedback in person um, and also just sharing it on social media and just letting others know that we're out there because uh, we are helping and uh, we like that and we appreciate that you guys are supportive of us. Yes, indeed. And maybe we should sort of practice what we preach because as you were saying that, I don't think that I've left a review for some of the really great podcasts I listen yeah. to. So that'll be our homework. We will each leave at least two reviews on podcasts we enjoy before the next episode. Oh, all right. It's, mm, that's two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I often see the reviews. And I'm like, oh, I should leave a review because I really like this podcast. And then I'm like, it's too much work typing. Uh. So, okay. We will leave well, two reviews. Two said? reviews on another podcast before we do this again. And I, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. And then we'll know what it's like and it'll be easier to, you know, ask listeners to do the same. Yes. As I teach my, my youth and the sports that I teach, uh, that I coach, (laughs) that I teach the sports balls, see ball, get ball, right? See the soccer ball, go get the soccer ball. See the basketball, get it. So see the review, go get a review. Make sense. Yep. We're going to do it. Wait, is there sports involved? I'm not. I'm not committing. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, we're done. We're done with that. Okay. Moving on. So we're in the middle of summer. And as they say, summer goes by in like 90 seconds where the rest of the the months go by in years, it seems. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to do a few episodes on back to school. Um, And a lot of times, and I'll say my kid was this way, school is a trigger for him. And the more families I talk to, that seems to be a pretty commonality. So we thought we would address some back to school stuff in hopes that you can get some information um, that will help you transition into school. So this episode, new Places and Faces is going to be all about going new places. So we're going to start with the youngsters in preschool. A lot of times, a lot of times, you drop off your kiddo at preschool for the first time and they're clinging to mom or dad's leg because they don't want to go. The teacher peels them off of you. You leave. You feel like the worst human on the planet. And within 30 seconds, that child's having the time of their life and you spend all day going, Ugh. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about parental anxiety in preschool. Not to say the kid's not feeling some anxiety, but that's probably just general nervousness, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? 
Yes, I would say it's totally normal for a, a preschool student to be anxious about their first day. But but the average preschool kiddo is, you know, excited by the shiny toys and the fun things and the colors and the and the lights and the people. And, and most preschool kids, once they get in the classroom, are actually pretty enthusiastic about being there. Yeah. And it's it's not to say that they're that you can never have a preschool um, age kiddo that has some anxiety because it can surface at that age and you can start to see some of those red flags. But the majority of kids are, are going to be nervous on the front end and then they're going to get there and they're going to do just fine. Speaking of, to my son, <laughs> I guarantee there was anxiety there. We as parents mm-hmm. did not recognize it until a few years later. And then looking back, we're like, oh, oh red flag, red yeah. flag, red flag. Yeah. And that's such a good point because you, you, you wouldn't necessarily for lots of kids, you wouldn't necessarily know that what you're looking at is anxiety. It might look like stubborn behavior. It might look like a fit. It might look like um, something completely different, but you know, you you can see it there, but I would say I deal with more parents who are anxious about that particular transition than the kids. And and when parents are able to find some comfort with it, um, kids tend to to follow along and tend to do better, you know, and and be like, oh, okay, so this is a thing we're doing and that's just fine. Right. So um, I will say the first time I sent my child to school, I don't know if it was preschool. No, it was not preschool because she didn't go to preschool at the public school. So, but when she went to kindergarten the first day, she wanted to ride the school bus. They had mm-hmm. done that kindergarten roundup thing that they yeah. do where you go and you get to ride a bus and you, so she was so excited to ride that bus. And I remember thinking, it's your first day of school. I want to take mm-hmm. you there. Um, but she wanted to ride the bus. So I said, okay, we'll do that. And that morning we got up, we took pictures, we got all pretty when I walked her down to the bus stop, the bus got there and she turned around and took off running toward the house. Oh no. And I chased her down and I thought, okay, I could take her home. We could take her on the bus. I mean, take her in the car. Like she doesn't have to ride the bus. There's no reason to ride the bus. I can, I can take her to school in the car and you know, she'll be just fine. And, and we can just skip this whole stupid bus thing. But then the other part of my brain said, you know what though, if I rescue her from this, then she walks away going, there's something to be afraid of. I shouldn't ride the Mm. bus. And I knew that I was going to need that bus throughout the school year. And so I picked her up and I carried her on the bus and I picked her off of me and I put her in the seat and then I turned around and burst into tears and walked home and boy, was it a long day. That sounds like an awful day. It was horrible. But so I spent all day thinking she's going to hate me. She's going to hate school. I ruined her life. This is the end of the road for us academically. (laughs) She comes home. Mom, I love, I love kindergarten. My teacher's so fun. We had a great time. She was smiling and laughing and she was excited to get on the bus the next day. So, and we never again had trouble getting on the bus. So good. Uh, that that's kind of a spoiler alert to you know w- one of the biggest strategies parents can use as you're adjusting to something new, a new place, a new bus, a new uh, teacher, a new anything. It's just sometimes you gotta kind of push them through it, knowing that they're gonna be safe. Um, because if you rescue them, they don't have the chance to build up that confidence themselves. And so uh, that was a, a hard lesson for me, but I got it. But. But also, given the advice to other parents, then like, you know, you have you have you're knowledgeable in this stuff, so you still had a bad day with it, oh, probably gosh. on some level, knowing she was mm-hmm. going to be fine. So, can you offer any kind of insight into parents that are going to be facing this in a few weeks? Of once you do peel that child off of you and you walk away, you are going to be upset. It's okay to be upset. How can you help them get over it until that kiddo comes home mm-hmm. from school that day? 
step one is, is know what your coping style is. So if you are a parent, you know, a person who needs to stay busy when you're anxious, go -hmm. to work as you normally would, but let the people around you know that you're having an off day and that, you know, if you burst into tears, it's not actually their fault. There might be some other things on your mind. If you don't think, yeah, (laughs) this time, if, uh, if you don't think that like you can focus or you have a job where you really need to kind of have it together and it's going to be hard, maybe take the day off, you know, get, do a little bit of self-care and plan ahead, maybe schedule it so you can get that kid out of school and then go home and, you know, look through photo albums or whatever you need to do to cope with your big feelings. But um, the key is to know what you need. Now, the, the problem is I think sometimes parents think they know, like I thought we're going to be fine. I'm not going to change my schedule. I'm going to put her on the bus. She's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I I was shocked by my response to her being upset. I, and so as much as, like you said, I, I know this stuff. I, I work with this every day, but my own emotional response surprised me. And so be prepared for little surprises with, with how you might feel because sometimes those things sneak up on you. That's great advice because when we took my daughter, who's my youngest, she's my baby, right? We took her to preschool. We had done this with my son, um, who was the firstborn. So you kind of have your emotional day and I'm like, I'm going to take her in and drop her off and it's going to be fine. And everything was hunky dory. And I sat on the floor and I read her a little book and it's time to go. And I gave her a hug and I go, bye. And she looked up at me and goes, bye daddy. And I flip and lost it. I wasn't expecting those words (laughs) and whatever it was in those words just made me like, what am I doing? Why am I trying to educate you? Come stay with me all day. So yeah. you don't need school. School is bad you for you. School. <laughs> School's overrated. Just come with me. You you need to prepare for yourself for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we talked about last time in our traveling uh, vacation episode. Expect, try to expect the unexpected, and know unexpected things are going to pop up. And of course, the definition of unexpected is you don't know what's going to trigger you. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I think the more. <laughs> This, this sounds wrong, but the more secure you are in your emotions and the more you think like, I know I'm going to handle this well, I got this, I know how to deal with this, the more upsetting it is when it hits you. And I, I had something not related to childhood anxiety, but just like a normal sort of, you know, adult emotional thing. And I thought, well, no, no, I got this. I I know what I'm doing. I know how this works. I, I've read the textbooks. I've talked with people. I know what to expect. But when I felt it for real, I thought, well, mm. this is madness. Why is this <laughs> happening? You know, so even when you do kind of know and think, hey, you know, it might be like this. I might have a hard time. Sometimes the reality of it is a lot bigger than you think. And so just just take care of yourself and know that like if you can work through it and get to the other side of your emotion in that experience that your child is going to get there faster. Um, but it is totally normal for, for all parties involved to feel, you know, some kind of emotion, whether it be fear, anxiety, worry, um, or just general like sadness and nostalgia for the fact that your child is growing up so quickly. And yeah. you know, there's just there's just a lot of big feelings there. Yeah. And it's a really good chance that your kiddo is absolutely fine. I understand some of them aren't because they get in and they are nervous and anxious and and things don't go well. But by and large, I would say the kids handle it better than the parents. Yep. And and if your child has a hard time and is kind of standing outside the norm in terms of their response, the teacher's going to let you know. Like they're not, they're going to call you or they're going to somehow notify you and they're going to work with you to figure out what to do to make the next day go better. But um, generally speaking, out of sight, out of mind, parents go, you know, now they've got something fun and exciting in front of them and they do well. And so just, you know, plan ahead for your own emotions and keep some Kleenex in the car and have, have something lined up to help you cope with it. You know, once you leave, I like that. Treat yourself to something, have something in the car for you or, or go get your favorite coffee or something that you, you don't normally do. Treat yourself on a day like that. That's some good That's advice. Right. So I would think advice for preschool is going to be pretty similar to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about elementary school. Once you start to get to the age, and we've talked before in past episodes, 
first grade anxiety signs start to show. They might show as ADHD and stuff. Mm -hmm. Second grade, they really kind of start to peak between there and third grade because kids are getting more socially aware. So things Mm -hmm. start to happen, brain development changes and everything. So let's talk now about those grades, second, third, fourth, and even fifth. And and once you get to the, the, the time in the kid's life where maybe they're not enjoying school as much. Yeah. So from, from kindergarten on, it just is, it gets progressively harder. And as you, as a parent, get more comfortable <laughs> with this it's idea. It's great for new parents. It's all yeah, downhill yeah. after kindergarten. <laughs> That's not the message. That's not the message. But, but like as you, you as a parent, you're going to get more comfortable with this whole school thing. You're going to get to where, you know, you, you trust the school district, you get to know your teachers and the school staff, and you're feeling better about it. <laughs> this At this point now, you're cool, but your kiddo may ex- start to experience more anxiety at that point. Right. And, and maybe it's signs of an anxiety disorder. Maybe it's just a normal, natural, you know, response to new, you know, new changes, new people, new places, new classrooms, new rules and things like that. Uh, but the, but the key is to, you know, always monitor. And if you think there's a problem, you know, as we've talked about before, ch- check with the teacher, because mm-hmm. sometimes kids will tell you things that, you know, the teachers aren't seeing. So you got to, you got to kind of listen to both. And sometimes the teacher will see things that the kid's not reporting as well. And so um, a big key is to just kind of communicate all the way around. But, you know, as each year, you're basically taking on a whole new set of challenges, right? And so, you know, kindergarten, first, second, uh, you, you, you prepare. And and the best thing for these kids is to kind of get them excited about it on the front end. So I know mm-hmm. with our kids, we typically, you know, late July, early August, we're, we're really, you know, stocking up on school supplies. We're looking at, you know, maybe a couple new outfits and we're, we're talking about, you know, what our school is going to be like if they're changing buildings, which is a lot of kind of what we hope to, to target in this episode, you know, preparing them for that, driving by the building, letting them get comfortable with it. Um, a lot of times the schools will have an open house at the beginning of the school year, like before things start. So you can come in, drop your stuff off, meet the teacher, kind of get to know, you know, the layout, you know, but the, the key is just talk about it take tours, go see it, drive by it, you know, let them pick out some of their school supplies. Actually, that brings up something I've been wanting to comment on. In our school, and I don't know if this happens everywhere, but you can order your kids' school Mm -hmm. supplies in advance. So like you can order them at the end of last school year for next year. And when your kid gets to school, they'll just be sitting on their desk. And from a parent's perspective, I think, yay, (laughs) one less thing to worry about. Don't have to go shopping for school supplies. But my kids are having a hard time with that because they enjoy that. That's kind of Mm -hmm. their, it's, it's like the process they go through to get ready to go back to school. And if we don't, one of them even, you know, if I don't get to go pick out my pencils, I don't even want to go to school. (laughs) So I just thought, you know, one of these new conveniences is actually taking one of those kind of annual milestones out of the process that helps kids to get acclimated and ready mentally to go back. I remember when I was a kid, you know, in the one room schoolhouse, (laughs) I would, I look forward to school shopping because, you know, you got to pick out the color trapper keeper you wanted or the, the right picture on it and the, the different folders and the pencils. And I'm going to get the mechanical pencils because they're newly invented and it, it yeah. would be fun. So, yeah, I, I get the convenience of it. And I even think that the, that's a fundraiser for like the PTOs and stuff of the school. <laughs> so it's helpful. But, yeah, I, I think that picking them out is is exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the advice you gave there, too, I think could qualify for a new student moving to a new city and a new school. Driving by the school, checking it out, um, because that's got to be terrifying. 
Yes. Yes. I've, I've not had that experience mm, myself, but I think that that's where, you know, if parents do a little bit of legwork, finding out, you know, are there any kids in the neighborhood that are going to be going to the same school? Mm. Could you introduce them ahead of time? You know, I, I remember, you know, the first day of kindergarten, which was my first day of public school, I walked in and somebody I had met ever, ever so briefly, uh, you know, this person, Chad, um, they were like, Nikki, come sit by me. And, and, you know, and we were BFFs for, you know, the rest of that school year and the next. And it was, it was just, all it took was recognizing a face and saying, ah, hey, I know that person. And then everything kind of, you know, went from there. So helping kids who are new to a neighborhood or new to a community, you know, find a person who they may see in the classroom that will help. Um, but yeah, going going and touring, you know, a lot of times if you're new to a community, you can call the school. And even if there's no structured organized event where kids can come in, new kids can come and get a tour and meet some of the school staff separately. You can, you can set up that kind of thing too. So schools want your kids to be happy and safe and comfortable. Yeah. So they'll work with you. Right. And that was the thing you'd mentioned earlier uh, just a few minutes ago about keeping an open line of communication with the teacher, especially if you have concerns of anxiety or you know your child has an anxiety um, diagnosis. Hopefully you've shared that with the school and, and worked on a 504 plan. If you don't know what that is, we did an um, episode about that a while back called this episode is brought to you by the letters IEP and the number is 504. It kind of talks about different ways the school district will help your child adapt uh, in the classroom with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So some good information in that episode too. I thought it might be helpful to talk a little bit about some of the anxieties that are fairly common in the elementary school years. And so things okay. that you might see and that you don't necessarily have to, you know, think too much about, but just be aware that that's pretty developmentally appropriate. One is, you know, fears of eating in the cafeteria or, oh. you know, using, you know, like using the restroom at school for some kids, if they've never had to do that, that might be something they're nervous about. Um, another thing might be, you know, getting sick at school because the elementary school years are just, you know, filled with other kids throwing up at school. You, you see a lot of it, unfortunately, and that can create some anxieties for kids. And it can become a bigger problem, but for the most part, you know, it's just normal for them to kind of worry about that just a little bit. You were right. It's all downhill after kindergarten. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways. No, no, it's, it's, it's uphill. There's a lot of good things coming too, Chad. <laughs> but so it's, it's also normal in those early elementary years to, to start to see, you know, social skills difficulties surfacing. Um, lots of kids can kind of get through preschool and for, you know, kindergarten. And, mm. and if they're not doing so well or they're not so good at sharing or taking turns, it's it's okay. There, there are other kids that are struggling too. But as other kids' skills are tightening up, those that are having a hard time might stand out a little bit more. And so you might just might start to see some of those things. And those can be signs of anxiety. Those can be signs of other underlying conditions. And so if you have things that your teachers bring into your attention, you know, get that get that looked at. But um, it is normal for kids to experience different worries and fears at different phases of their development. Right. And uh, just off of that, when the teacher brings something up, just listen, be open-minded and, and hear what they say. We've talked before a few times that my son's first grade teacher uh, recommended us get tested for ADHD. And so we listened, we did, and it turned out it was anxiety. So, you know, she saw something that needed probably more attention and we listened and got it. And mm -hmm. we're glad we did. It's been a journey. But we're certainly glad that we listened. So that'd be my that's advice. Right. Moving on to junior high. Um, that's where <laughs> both of our kiddos are going to junior high this year. And mm -hmm. I've had lots of discussion with my son, who's excited for it and also nervous about it. And I said, every fifth grader in town on the planet is nervous about junior high. That's I was nervous mm -hmm. going into junior high. It's different because you have multiple teachers. It's a bigger building. There are older kids in a different way. In, in kindergarten, there's mm -hmm. fifth graders, but they're kind of separated. Now you have, you know, so-called upperclassmen, um, so to speak. 
and it's just, it can be scary just for mm-hmm. anybody. But if you then have that extra anxiety in your system, it could be even worse or Absolutely. can you use it to your advantage. That's right. That's, that's such a good spin on it. Um, I, I equate preschool to junior high in terms of the parental experience, because, you know, I had no problem with like <laughs> kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. But then when it was time to move to the junior high building, my mom brain was like, oh my gosh, this is, and part of that is because I didn't know what to expect. Right. I, it was mm-hmm. huge. And there were all these kids and I, I really had no idea, but I will say that, yes, I have a child going into junior high, but I also have a child exiting junior high and, oh. um, and she's had, you know, just, just a really great experience. I mean, there were new challenges and there was lots mm-hmm. of stuff to navigate, but all in all, I was pleasantly surprised with how things went. And so it makes me optimistic for, you know, my kiddo that's, that's starting junior high. And I don't know if junior high are the same years in all areas where that might be listening. I know for us, it's sixth, seventh, and eighth mm-hmm. are under the same roof and consider junior high. And then they go off to high school for ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, and so, but that that's kind of that breakdown. And for lots of kids going into sixth grade, boy, there's a lot going on, right? The, this is when like social stuff is really kicking off, social awareness and clicks and um, lots of like bodily changes that are making kids, you know, more aware of things that they maybe didn't pay attention to before. And so a big part of it is doing what you just described, Chad, and that is talking about it, having conversations. What are the things that your kids are nervous about? What are they worried about? Um, what are they excited about? You know, and, and really, you know, keep kind of keeping your own worries in check because you as a parent already know you can do it. <laughs> You've been doing it for five years, or six years now. Um, and so it's just, just kind of giving them that space to grow and become ready. One of the things I love about junior highs is now there's a little bit more independence required. So they have lockers, mm-hmm. right? And they have, mm-hmm. you know, they have more responsibility in terms of staying organized and keeping their stuff together. And so that's kind of a fun phase to navigate. And kids worry about lockers a lot. I will tell you, that's one of the biggest fears of kids coming into junior high. Um, and so if you've got a kid with an anxiety disorder, that's like on fire. Like that that particular fear is even more um, exaggerated for some kids. And so just know that there's lots of opportunities to practice. The school will allow you to come in a week or two prior to school starting to practice that locker combination and make sure you can get in there and, and that, that will help kids. Um, but that's a big one. I, I hear that worry a lot. What else, what, what are some other common worries for kids this age? Well, one thing you mentioned was organization and I'm a pretty organized individual. Um, my kiddo, not so much. I don't know if it's just his personality or if it's anxiety. You deal with many more anxious kiddos than I. So is an anxiety disorder not really good for organization? It, it entirely depends on the type of anxiety. So I would say that the, the majority- Organizational anxiety. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, it's a whole new diagnosis. But the majority of kids that I've worked with who have like a generalized anxiety diagnosis tend to be more inclined to organization because it gives them a sense of control. But there are some okay. kids who that that doesn't apply, like that that's not a way in which their anxiety surfaces. And so, you know, that we'll have some parents that, you know, they're not worried a bit about their their kid keeping track of things because they've been, you know, fairly neurotic about those kinds of things since they were very little. And mm-hmm. so anxiety can present as a kid who's very neat and orderly and and has all their things, you know, in in good condition and, you know, they can always find it and they know where everything is. But that isn't every kiddo with anxiety. And so I think, again, you just got to know your kid and you got to know. And if, if there's anxiety and ADHD kind of combined, you there, you're going to see a little bit more of that disorganization possibly and, and have a harder time. And, and that was tough. I mean, there were the halfway through, I think eighth grade. So at the point where I think, okay, okay, we're starting to get it together. My kiddo lost her binder, never to be found again, like all <laughs> of her, everything for, for the entire school year gone. And we never found it. And you know, that wow. we, we carry on. And so th- even if they don't 
aren't inclined towards being organized, the school is going to be working with them and helping them to kind of generate that skill. And lest we forget, this podcast is named after my son who said his brain feels scrambled. Yes. So So that kind of gives you a little inclination into it. Let's talk a little bit more about what you said about body changes and puberty at this age. I have to think, my opinion only, that junior high is probably the most terrifying time in your life because you're changing buildings, you're getting more um, responsibility, you have to grow up a little bit more, your body's going through changes, your mind's going through changes, clicks are forming and everything. And it's just, it's a scary time. And then again, add on anxieties onto it and terrifying. Yeah. But it doesn't and, have and to I, be. It doesn't have to be. And it, and I think it also depends on the kid. Like for some kids, high school is terrifying. For some kids, mm-hmm. once they got through, you know, fifth grade, they're like, oh, oh I can do this. I'm fine. So, you know, it, there isn't, I think, a, a one size fits all in terms of which year is the most anxiety producing. I think you can you can kind of look at where your child is in terms of like puberty and physical development and and kind of use that if they're in the throes of, of figuring out what that all means and kind of adjusting to, you know, new body, you know, functions and new, new uh, you know, fast, rapid growth and things like that. Um, it's not unusual to see heightened anxiety or uh, new difficulties kind of surface. And that's where we've talked before about how anxiety can kind of be a shapeshifter and it can take on, you know, new patterns as kids grow up. And so, whereas in elementary school, anxiety might've been clinging or not wanting to go to school or, you know, having meltdowns at drop-off in junior high, anxiety might be more like a panic attack or not wanting to participate in gym or, you know, having a, a really strong emotional reaction to something a peer says. And so it starts to look different. It's like your your anxiety matures as you age. And so it just it just looks different. And you no, know, if you are in tune with your child and you're talking with them and you're checking in with them, you'll you'll have a pretty good idea of the way that anxiety is surfacing for them once they reach this stage. Um, but sometimes it's tricky. Sometimes you gotta ask a lot of questions. I read an article here recently, and if if I could find it, I will put it in the show notes. But if not, you'll have to take me uh, for my word. But it was written by a mom. And the title was something to the effect of how do I tell my 11-year-old son like he's no fun to be around, which I thought was harsh. Then in reading the the actual article, you know, not just the headline, it talked about having a conversation with her son about puberty. And it was like, you know, son, we've talked to you that your body is changing and you're growing and things are happening. What we haven't talked to you about is what's happening inside your brain. It's growing too. And you're going to feel more quick to anger and you're going to feel these things. And that's okay. That's part of growing up. We need to understand that, and you need to understand that we understand that. It was just, it was just a, a nicely mm-hmm. written article about that, that so many people focus on puberty being bodily changes, but it's also mental changes as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids have strong emotions. Adults have strong emotions. We, as adults, hopefully know how to regulate that and deal with it. The kiddos don't. Sometimes it, it comes out as explosive behavior or uh, fidgetiness or physical anger. So. Mm-hmm. It's a nice conversation. I'll work really hard to try to find that. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a great uh, way to look at it and, because truly the the cognitive parts of puberty are probably more challenging to navigate than the, the physical changes because uh, just exactly what you said, it's it's almost like, well, okay, so the movie Inside Out, which I know we referenced many episodes ago, but mm-hmm. it, it has a sort of a funny little part where a new like emotional motherboard is installed and it's the one with puberty <laughs> and, and it's like triple the size of the original one and it's got a bunch more emotions and everything's all complicated and everybody's on fire and it's, you know, that's it. It's just, your brain has just exploded in all these new different ways. And so all of those same feelings that you might've learned to deal with at say age, you know, eight, nine or 10, you know, now your brain and body are like, yeah, this is brand new and I don't know what to do with it. And so, you know, as parents, we have to step back too. And, and even when, you know, again, like we said in the very beginning today, what, what, 
when you see it coming and you know kind of what to expect, it still can be very shocking to be like, oh gosh, that's what that is. That's, this is, this is just a a new version of my child. They've, they've been upgraded. Right. Um, But we have to be kind of prepared for that. And so, you know, for boys, you can start to see that around nine, 10 with girls. Usually it's around 11, 12, but I mean, that there's no, no rule to that. It could be a little bit older, a little bit younger too. depends on your child. Well, we also talked about the Disney Pixar movie Turning Red, which Mm -hmm. focuses a little bit on that changing it. It focuses on a lot of heavy emotions as well, but that might be Mm -hmm. a good one to to watch. Um, And I would recommend watching that one with your children. So if there's questions, you can answer them. A lot of times, depending on the age of your kid, some of the the important stuff's going to go right over their head because they're just not going to get it. But But you might also be surprised that, you know, some of the stuff they pick up on that, and then they can conceptualize it differently. So it's, it's worth a watch. One other thing about junior high, and this was only my experience. uh, I just remember when I was in elementary school, the teachers hitting us hard of next year's different kids. It's going to be junior high. It's going to be harder. You're going to be more focused, more grown up. When I got to junior high, I was nervous that, oh my gosh, this is going to be so different. I didn't find it that different. In junior high, then it's like high school's different, kids. You're gonna have to da 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 da. High school is fine. Kids, college is different. College is a little different, but I didn't really feel that much difference. So I guess my advice is it's going to be the same. It's school. You're going there to learn. You're gonna have some homework. You're gonna have teachers giving you lessons. There's gonna be kids in your class you're gonna get along with and some that you're not. You're gonna have lunch and there's gonna be gym class. Although junior high, we we now have to change. Mm-hmm. for uh, changing potential showers, all kinds of weird things that happen. But yeah, I mean, your point is so true because it, it really is just, you know, same stuff, but in a different classroom with a different teacher and yeah. maybe slightly different responsibilities. But, um, but if, if you, I, I, I can remember that. I just, you know, well, now your, your college instructors are gonna, you know, be, and I remember thinking, no, they're not like, they didn't do that at all. Um, but that's, that's, I think a teacher trick for, for trying to get you to think, you know, sure. got it easy now, but yeah. And the, the college thing, it was, it was always the college, college professors. They're not going to care if you're there or not. Cause you're paying whatever. My college professors were some of the most caring teachers I've ever had, you know, because you're yes. an adult, you can connect them on a different level. Yeah. So yeah. moving on to junior high or from junior high to high school, I didn't realize your oldest is making that transition. So how are you feeling about that? So and she, just like in, in preschool and junior high, those transitions were tough. High schools wigging me out a little bit um, just because, I mean, I don't know. There's a part of my brain that's like, wow, four more years. Wow. I only have four more oh. years to like, you know, plant the seeds of wisdom and responsibility and, you know, all those things. And <laughs> that's you should a probably take two vacations weight. this summer. Yeah, probably. I think that would help. I think three or four. Um, but she's excited for it. She's she's Good. ready and she's not nervous about it. And so like I'm going to check my nervousness because I'm not the one going to school. And I tell you what, that is a thing. And whether we're talking about school and, you know, venturing into a new you know phase of your growing up years, we parents need to check our emotions a lot because mm. what we're worried about isn't what they're worried about. And there's been lots of situations where I was just a nervous wreck thinking about what my child was going to face or encounter in this new situation. And when I really slow down and look, you know, that's my own anxiety getting in the way. And she doesn't think quite like I do. So I don't, I, you know, I don't have to have that. That's hers. It's her battle. It's her life to live and her, you know, her stuff to figure out. And I'm just here as a guide. I'm just here to be a supportive, you know, cushion when she needs help and somebody to kind of set limits and boundaries, but it's her anxiety to, to manage. And if she's not feeling anxious, I'm not going to put my stuff on her. Was she nervous to go to junior high? Yes, I think so. I think she was more nervous about junior high than high school. Um, 
and I, I also think too, something that can make a difference in terms of how nervous kids are venturing into these new places and stuff is, is their, their social connectedness. So kids who struggle to connect with peers have a really hard time because maybe they got a friend, they, you know, they have someone that they feel comfortable and safe with, and then they change buildings or they change classrooms or something happens and those people aren't there. And so they have to kind of start over. And when making friends is really hard, it's just like, a huge hurdle between them and feeling like they fit in and feeling like things are going well. But if you have a child who, you know, anxiety or no anxiety socially does okay, they don't tend to be as nervous about these transitions because they're kind of going through it with their friends. And they know that, you know, they're going to maybe change classes and they won't have the same people in every class, but their people are there. And so that that can be really hard if you've got a child with anxiety who also struggles socially, that, that can be an added, you know, obstacle. So let's talk about that. If you do have a kiddo who's not the most social kid on the planet, uh, what do you do? Oh, that's, we don't have six hours. No, that that's a, a tough question because it truly is, you know, kid specific. Mm-hmm. Um, because some kids, the more you push, you know, social connection and try to help them build those skills, the more they, you know, resent it and they don't want it. And some kids are perfectly fine not being super social and they're okay with being kind of on their own or just, you know, kind of being acquaintances with everyone. Um, but kids who are struggling socially and feel the struggle, you know, empathy is the best thing. And then, and then kind of encouraging, well, have you tried this, you know, and what do you think might work? And, you know, and, and really, you know, modeling the social skills, there's social skills groups that kids can participate in that kind of help them practice skills with other kids in a safe environment where professionals can kind of guide them and help them with the things that aren't going so well. Um, you know, so you can call your pediatrician, your local counseling department and ask if there's any social skills groups um, right now with, you know, mental health services being you know, like a high need for things, it can be a little bit harder to find the right fit, but call around um, because I know lots of places are starting new groups to try to help because that's, that's a way to get more people help at once. Um, and social skills are, are easiest learned in a social setting rather than one-on-one with a therapist or counselor. So that's important. But the other, the other ideas for helping too, are just like looking at what, what are the issues? Is it, is it how they communicate that's getting in the way? Is it poor listening? Is it not taking turns? Does it, does it go back to some of those skills that some kids mastered in preschool and kindergarten, right? You got to figure out what's at the heart of the social um, difficulty. And if it's just plain old anxiety, then it's, you know, it's just, just continuing to work with them until they find connections that feel safe and sort of creating an environment where they can do that. So inviting people over, even if that doesn't seem like the most fun thing to them, but to help them become more used to being around others. So I think that's a long, windy answer, but it's it's because it, it just really depends on the particular reason why your child is struggling socially. A lot of times the teachers can help you with that too. At what point should the parents step in or should the parents not step in? And I go back to when my son was showing big signs of anxiety and between second and third grade, we reached out to another family and was just like, hey, can your kid come play? Can we do a play date with them and just see if they click? And they they got along, but that was really the, the essence of it was the one-time thing. So <laughs> do you do stuff like that or is it best just to be like, let the kid be them and, and let them make their own friends? I think both. I mean, I think, you know, if they're really resistant to trying new things, you kind of, you know, can be that matchmaker and kind of set things up, but you don't want to force it because, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of want to have them get there organically. But um 
it's yeah you just you get you just keep trying until they get it right and you also keep in mind that kids go through developmental phases that impact their social ability that uh, impact their social skills and how interested they are and how able they are to kind of respond to other people and so i would say like fourth through sixth grade is a tricky time socially anyway because there's just there's a fair amount of awkwardness going on and and like they're just learning to hear their own voices and they're kind of finding out am i funny am i not funny am i serious do people like it when i do that you know so there's a lot of experimentation going on anyway. Um, and so it, it can be awkward <laughs> to watch your kids interact with other kids and be like, that's, gosh, <laughs> that didn't land well. Sorry, you know. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you see yourself and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they got that trait from me. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, it's it's hard. And just know that like junior high, some of that starts to straighten out. Some of that, okay. you know, by, by nature, you know, kids just start to kind of figure out who their people are. And then by high school, it's a little bit better. And you know what, it's totally normal to, to have a high school student that just says, I don't fit in. I don't feel comfortable with these people. These are not my people. And that's okay because there's other things, there's jobs, there's um, college, there's, you know, those next things. And eventually you find your people. And so a lot of times that's just reassuring kids that it's okay. Like, you know, you're, you're going to meet people along the way and you're going to try new things and eventually you're going to get it right. I also think this time is a good time to remind folks, Nikki, that depending on your state. We're in Illinois, uh, but the legislature just passed within the last year a bill into law now that says that students can have up to five mental health days a year. Mm -hmm. So just like you would call in for a sick day, you call in and, and have a mental health day. And we've used it. And I, honestly, I used it before it was law and the school never gave me any kind of repercussions. But just a reminder to that, that some days if your kid's not feeling it and they need to take a break, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it, it is. It is okay. And, you know, um, it, they need breaks just like we do. They need mm -hmm. to take time to, to regroup. But that brings me to, you know, one of the most important points I, I kind of teased ahead to at the beginning of this episode, which is you cannot protect your children from hardship all the time. You can't keep them from every challenge or anxiety provoking situation that they face. They have got to face those things and develop the skills that come out of the struggle. And so, you know, I use this with, with kids all the time that life is a little bit like an obstacle course. And like from the moment that you're born, you know, you, you just face challenge after challenge after challenge. And maybe those early challenges are learning to breathe on your own and then, you know, learning to drink milk and then learning to hold your head up. And, you know, and then of course those challenges get, you know, more difficult. And then you go to kindergarten and now you have to, you know, you got to learn to ride a bike and you got to learn to play well with others and you got to learn to cut with scissors and draw color in the lines and the challenges just keep getting more difficult as you go along and when we become those helicopter parents and we swoop in every time our kid has a hard day or something that feels really overwhelming to them and we we don't guide them towards overcoming the challenge then mm. they get this message of like you're right it is hard and you can't do it right so it's it's important that kids understand that that challenge is normal and and you you can't get better at stuff unless you face some kind of you know struggle or challenge and so um, you know, that, you know, when you're talking about social skills and you're talking about, you know, organization skills and whatever, whatever skill sets that kids need to have, you know, if you can talk with them about it in terms of, wow, that's challenging. Where are you going to try next? You know, what's, what's a new idea that you could try tomorrow? What's something, you know, and just so that they, they get that idea that like, you don't just quit, you know, I'll joke with kids. I'll say like, you know, if you have a hurdle in front of you, like, you know, you're running a race and there's a hurdle in front of you and you walk up to the hurdle and you, and you yell at it, you know, is it going to go away? Is it going to get out of your way? If you, if you kick it, does that get you through the hurdle? You know, what ideas do you have for getting around that hurdle? And it just kind of shows them that sometimes we have to have some flexibility in our thinking to, you know, to get to the other side of challenges. And so I think that skill is more important than being like the perfect social kid, right? I think it's more important to think, hmm, 
well, that didn't go the way I wanted it to do. What I, or wanted it to go? What am I going to do tomorrow? You know, I think that's that's a good way to frame it anyway. The last thing we have then is kiddos going to college for the first time and parents sending yeah. their kids to college for the first time. You know, like I said, four years, Chad, and we're going to be done with high school. And I'm, I'm yeah. hyperventilating a little bit about what comes after that. But, um, you know, that's a that's a huge transition. And if you've done, you know, some things right along the way, both you and your child should be ready for that phase too, right? That, that I mean, big set of gonna challenges. It's going to be difficult, right? Does anyone uh-huh. drop off their kid yeah. at college and just be like, okay, see ya? Maybe they do. I'm already I'm making like, plans for that day. I'm already like, well, okay, so I don't want to cry all day. So what can I do? Yeah, like that's yes, it's it's got to be one of the the biggest things. But the the weirdest part about it is that's if you get to that point and your child, you're dropping them off at college, you did it right. Like you, <laughs> you oh, checked man. off all the things and you're there <laughs> and you did it. You should be celebrating that success. But that's when your heart breaks a little. And it's okay to yeah. dread that. I think probably a lot. So advice um, for being away from home for the first time, I chose a college that was 90 minutes away from home. And my thinking was I could go home at any time. And that first week, there were many times that I would sit there and I went, I didn't know a soul on campus. And so I didn't know my roommate and uh, he introduced me to one of my good friends. um, And then I made my little core group of friends based off the roommate who I had I don't even know if I could tell you his name, but I know his friend because <laughs> now he's my friend. <laughs> um, but there were many nights, afternoons, I would remember just sitting there just feeling like gutted. I'm like, what have I done? And then I, I just knew in the heart of hearts, I'm like, Chad, you have to you have to see this through. It's, it's going to pass. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking to the end of the hallway and I would see some water towers off in the distance. And I was like, okay, there's home. I can see home. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see 90 miles away. They were from a neighboring no. town, but to me, that was just a, it was a symbol of home. So mm-hmm. any advice on, on the kids who are, are going to get homesick? It's natural. Yeah. I mean, isn't it? That is number one <laughs> is just knowing it's natural to get homesick. And, you, and even if you were, you know, just like ready to get out and you're like, I wanted to be 18 three years ago and I'm just so glad to be out on my own. You're still, especially if you want it out that quickly, like there's still a good chance you're going to go, oh man, I'm an adult. What does that mean? I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, what have I done? This is a terrible mistake, but give it time. And so kids, you know, they're freshmen in college, their first year is, you know, there might be some, some eye rolls that, that go with this for some folks, but, you know, get involved with those freshman orientation activities that they do, you know, where they, you, you meet and you kind of get connected with people in your similar, you know, subject area or major area. Because the the people I know from college, I met in that group, the people that I've stayed in contact with oh. over the years are the ones that I originally, you know, met when I first started. And, and we weren't best friends throughout it, but those people were, were pretty constant. And I saw them each year and it was, it was nice to kind of make that connection. So do those things, you know, and um, some schools mm-hmm. will make, give you advice. Um, you know, the RAs and the deans and the d- different people at the schools will tell you, don't go home for a couple months. You know, you really need to kind of give yourself a chance to feel you know, confident and find your place here before you go home. And so, I mean, you have to make your own decision about that. That's not up to anybody else, but um, some, some say that, you know, if you go 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and you haven't been home, you're going to feel better about it going forward. But I don't know. I think that's up to each person. That's great advice. I didn't follow that. I was home every weekend. Whatever. (laughs) I think I stayed two weekends my entire, seriously, I think there was two weekends I stayed during my whole tenure at, at college and I turned out okay. Yeah. But, but that's important because you, you knew what you needed to feel comfortable. Like I, I think if I'd come home anytime in the first month, I would never have gone back, you know? So I, I needed that. I was far enough away that it wasn't convenient, 
but I could mm-hmm. go home anytime mm-hmm. if I needed to. It just, it couldn't be on a whim. And so that was good for me because otherwise I would never have left. <laughs> so I needed a, a little bit of distance and time. This was like, right. You know, I say pre-internet, but I got my first email in college and, you know, chat rooms and <laughs> IRC was the chat room. So it wasn't like you could yeah. just email or, or Snapchat your parents or FaceTime. I'm like, that didn't exist. I mean, you had a phone card that you called. I was just going to say I had parents. a phone card and had 15 yeah. minutes on. I had to make it last. Yeah. Nine o'clock on Wednesdays. If I was 901, I heard about it. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't have my first cell phone until I graduated from college. Yeah, I was my senior year was when I got my first one, I think. So that's that's crazy to think about. But but for for freshmen going there, if you've carried a diagnosis of anxiety up to this point, you know, just know that just like all those other transitional years, you know, your symptoms might resurface. They might take a new form. You know, if you've you know previously been anxious in new situations, you're going to be anxious in this situation too. But you can rely on those same sets of skills that you had going in. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. by college, because I I told you all in the beginning of this podcast that I didn't even realize that what I had been dealing with throughout my childhood was anxiety until I got to college. And so college is the time, you know, that whatever, you know, whatever you do after high school, it doesn't have to be college because there's lots of transitions that aren't, you know, academic based, but whatever you do, that's, you kind of find yourself, you figure out a lot of stuff and stuff starts to make sense. And you, you know, kids at this point are now taking ownership of their mental health more so than they might've been in junior high and, and younger years. And so it can be a really, really good time for people with an anxiety disorder to kind of find their way and to, to feel like, you know, they've got, they've got it, you know, that they can handle it. So there's good that can come with it. And take a psychology yes. class in, in college, you might find a career just like you did, or um, yep. at least learn a little bit, but <laughs> then you could do a podcast someday too. There you go. And hopefully by the time you get to college, like you said, you've, you've built that toolbox and stuff that you're going to handle it and your brains develop more. I mean, you're getting closer to that 25 year old <laughs> age where your, uh, your brain's going to be fully <laughs> developed so you can handle it a little better. Our next episode's coming out in two weeks, and it is going to be a, a continuation of sorts uh, of our Back to School series, and it's going to be how to deal with difficult people. And ever since we came up with this, I can't get the Ed Sheeran song, Beautiful People, out of my head, but singing difficult people to it. So we'll leave you with that. How about that? I hope that you're going to sing to us on that episode. Would you do that? Yeah, no, I don't see that happening. You know, okay, mm, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook and you can also find us online at scrambledpodcast.com. Again, we ask if you'd like to rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Of course, we always ask you to share this and I feel like you do a good job of sharing it with uh, folks and families who uh, might need it, especially an episode like this. If you got somebody going off to college that you didn't think was, oh, it's, it's, it's a podcast on childhood anxiety. They don't care, but maybe they'll care about this episode. So, so share it with them. Our goal in starting the podcast was to start a conversation and that conversation continues with you. 